The future of online TV is here. View exclusive content from your favorite talk radio hosts and new programs that you can't see anywhere else. Visit voiceamerica.tv today. The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. about why people act the way they do? Why are some people more difficult to deal with while others are always pleasant? Let's find out together. Welcome to Human Behavior. What a trip. Your host is Dr. Jonathan Brower. Our program combines expert guests with people just like you who have questions or comments. We'll have fun exploring human behavior. Now, here's your host, Dr. Jonathan Brower. Hello, everybody. This is Jonathan Brower. I have a radio show with uh, voiceamerica.com. It's called Human Behavior, What a Trip. And we have a wonderful trip today. My guest is Alan Klein, and he's a jollytologist, which you may never have heard of that term before, but you will in the next few minutes. And uh, we're going to have a wonderful time. So welcome to the show, Alan. Good to be here, Jonathan. Thanks for inviting me. My pleasure. I'm very glad you're here. So, um, I want to give you, a, I want to make a little, uh, bio here. I'm going to, I'm going to record, I'm writing this, uh, from one of your books. Alan Klein is an award-winning professional speaker and best-selling author. His first book, The Healing Power of Humor, which is now in its 40th printing and ninth foreign language translation, perfectly sums up his lifelong philosophy that humor is the best medicine for all ailments, big and small. So, um, Alan, if we can begin in the early part of your life, as a kid, uh, what, was your, what was your family like and how were you as a kid? And then if you can take us briefly, but not uh, going too fast, going through uh, all the twists and turns of your of your trail, so to speak, that ended you in the business of being a jolly tolologist. Tal- it's actually jolly tologist, like um, proctologist. I see, tologist, <laughs> yes. So, 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 so how did you get to question. this uh, point? I, how many hours do we have for the answer? <laughs> Unfortunately, a little less than one. But okay. briefly, because I, you didn't just all of a sudden... Uh, graduate from school and say I'm going to become a jolly tologist. No, I did not. It yeah. all happened. Um, you know, life life um, throws us little curves, and yes. I never realized I would be doing what I'm doing, particularly as an award-winning uh, keynote speaker and workshop leader yes. who almost failed um, speech in college. Yes. So, um, actually, 
even though I'm a jollytologist now and show people how to use humor and uh, their changes, their challenges, and their not-so-funny stuff, yeah. I actually was a very, very serious child. And um, my wife had a theory, which I kind of agree with, I guess, when I look back at my life, is that what we don't get in our childhood, we get later on in our adulthood. So when I look back at that and realize I wasn't a very um, playful child, I'm kind of now getting all of that in my adult life. So So when you were a serious child... Did you also have a lot of happiness, or was it not too much, or not at all? Well, I used to like playing, um, you know, not playing so much with other kids, but amusing myself. I was very creative, so I liked to do a lot of um, artwork and building blocks and, you know, all those kind of creative but alone times. Um, So I wasn't very outgoing, very kind of gregarious, um, you know, but I I was happy, though. But I I was kind of alone happy. Uh Uh-huh. And uh, Um, so I want to know, when you were creative and, well, well, when you were being creative, you probably had a certain amount of happiness. Yeah, because that brought me a lot of joy. But it wasn't... You know, you see kids running around and screaming and, you know, playing in the playground and jumping around. That wasn't me. Right. (laughs) That wasn't me. Were your parents... And I I think maybe part of that, I mean, who knows, but when I was a year old, I had an ear infection, Uh and um, there was no penicillin at the time. Tells you how old I am. (laughs) Yeah. And... um, so I had to have a mastoid operation. So one of my ears had, I, I really didn't have very good hearing in that ear. I see. So I, I think that maybe had part of, you know, part of influence because, you know, it's harder to hear things around me. Yes. Um, so I, I just went in inside internally and I guess entertained myself that way. Right. So um, were, were your parents... Um, were they were they were they pleased with your your creative your being able to be creative? Uh, not till later on. I mean, funny thing, my my dad always wanted me. Well, my mom actually wanted me to be a doctor. Yeah. So these days, actually, some people because I I teach a lot. I was just teaching last week at a university. Um, they call me doctor, <laughs> so I love that. Yes. She would love that. But uh, my dad wanted me to be an accordion player, you know, lady mm-hmm. of Spain, I adore you, mm-hmm. yeah. um, that kind of thing. And uh, I think the time they really um, enjoyed um, what I was doing and, and realized finally, finally, you know, I uh, was bringing them joy with, with what I had chosen as a career is when I became a scenic designer. And so actually, I don't know if they ever realized, but it was their influence that I did that. They took me to see two Broadway shows. My first two Broadway shows, I was seven years old. Wow. It was Oklahoma and Carousel. And I became enamored with what I saw and went back to school. And when teachers would ask, what do you want to be when you grow up? 
I always said I want to be a scenic designer. I wow. wanted to make those pretty stage pictures. Yes. And some and so, of the teachers encouraged me, actually, and let me do those little models in a shoebox or a cigar box um, of, say, the book we were reading yes. or what we were studying. And, yes. And so my parents, just to answer your question, my parents finally um, really enjoy, you know, really, in the, I'm searching for a word, but the word I want is Yiddish. Yes, okay. Kfell. <laughs> uh, you know, yeah, they fell. They just glowed with what I was doing when they saw my name on TV, on such shows as Jackie Gleason Show, Merv Griffin Show, yes, um, Captain Kangaroo Show. I designed all of those, yes. and they were just felling to the neighbors. Oh, my son's a designer for TV. Look, there goes his name, you know, in the credits, and that's when they really were proud of me. And then when they were felling over you. I assume you enjoyed it. Um, it Well, yes, I mean, yeah, that I brought them pleasure. Yes. Because they, I mean, because when I was studying to be a designer, I mean, I'd go off to summer stock and I'd have to pay room and board for $75 a week and not not get any salary and work 12 hours a day. But I was also learning my craft. Yes. And so for me, you know, they couldn't see any value at that time except, you know, he's he's doing it, you know. Yes. He's, um, he's not becoming a doctor. You know? Yes. So um, I want to get back to when you were seven years old and you yeah. saw the plays Oklahoma and Carousel. As you were watching the performance, were you happy? Were, were you feeling um, happy? I, I mean, I guess it was. Yeah. Pretty long ago, I, I I don't know that I even you know would think about being happy. I what I did know is that it instilled something in me. Yeah, I guess which brought lots of joy because then growing up in New York City, I would go see in high school. I would go see every Broadway show for at a Saturday matinee. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Sit in the second balcony for a dollar fifty. So yeah, it. I, I guess I was happy. Otherwise, I would not have pursued that. Yes. So, yeah. So early in your life, even though you were somewhat um, self <clears throat> self contained by yourself and all that, you did have the ability to be happy at times. And yeah, well, the seeing Broadway shows, particularly yeah. musicals, really brought joy in my life. Yes. So then, um, what was after after being a scenic designer? Then did you was that when you uh, started going to uh, get your masters in jollytology? <laughs> or well, uh, no, was there other things many, before? Many many years later, I. I went to Yale Drama School. I got in Yale Drama School. Very difficult to get into. It's a three-year master's to um, become a professional scenic designer. Uh-huh. And I was kicked out after the first year. They told me I had no talent. And, wow. That must have been um, I was for devastated you. because, as you just you know heard, from the years when I was seven years old, I wanted to be a designer. And now they told me the top, yeah. You know, drama school in the country told me I had no talent. Well, anyhow, I went back to New York City. I became an apprentice. I got into the union as an apprentice 
And then I passed the very stringent union test and became a designer at CBS Television, where I said I'd design all those major shows. Yes. And what I realized looking back is my fellow classmates were still at Yale doing college productions, and I was designing national television. Yeah, so it worked out, it worked out well for you. So it really worked out, and it taught me a great life lesson that... Uh, and this lesson's been taught to me over and over that sometimes, in fact, all the time, we cannot see the future. We yes. wonder, we, we question, why is this happening to me right now? I mean, I was devastated being thrown out of Yale and kept right. questioning, you know, why is this happening? You know, it's ruining my life. It's what I, you know, I wanted to do this all my life, and now they said I had no talent. And But that's in the moment. So we can't see down the road, you know, why that's happening or what will happen to us. Yes. And... Uh, that again, you know, leads us to the Jolly Tologist. Um, I was a scenic designer. I moved from New York to um, San Francisco because the some of the shows I was working on, uh, like Merv Griffin, moved to L.A. and they dropped the whole production team and started over. So things like that. So I picked up and with my family moved to San Francisco. And uh, when we got here, a little while after we got here, we found out my wife had a terminal illness. Oh, my. Uh, primary biliary cirrhosis. She was 31 at the time, and she did pass away when oh. she was 34. Wow. Okay, we're, we're going to take a quick commercial break. We'll come back and continue on the, the path we're going, okay? So Great. We'll come back in about a minute. What's going on behind the scenes with your favorite Voice America show or host? For the latest news, visit the iRadio blog at iradioblog.com. DefeatAnxietyNow.com is geared to help people suffering with anxiety and depression. Intensive, short-term, dynamic psychotherapy helps many people get to the absolute core of their problems and resolve them. Call Dr. Jonathan Brower at 818-707-4557. Interested in investing in real estate, leveraging other people's money? Call Jonathan Brower and he can give you some more information. 805-535-5111. That's 805-535-5111. Legal Shield. Total Access. Everyone deserves legal protection. With Legal Shield, everyone can access it, no matter how traumatic or trivial. Check out players.buildinglastingsuccess.com and jjbrower.com. Call Jonathan at 805-535-5111. Sportspsychologysociology.com can help you improve your ability to excel and enjoy your athletic endeavors. Call Dr. Jonathan Brower at 818-707-4557. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. You're listening to Human Behavior What a Trip with Dr. Jonathan Brower. If you have a question or comment for the show this week, please call in to 1-866-472-5792. That's toll-free, 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to jbrowerphd at yahoo.com. Now, back to Human Behavior, What a Trip! 
Hi, everybody. We're back with Human Behavior, What a Trip. This is Johnson Brower. My guest is Alan Klein, who's a jolly psychologist. You don't know what that means. I didn't either before a few months from now. And uh, he'll tell us more about it. But, Alan, we're getting back to the uh, situation with your wife. And she had a very uh, young life. She died at an early age. I think you said 34. Yes. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, and how did that impact you for the rest of your life? Well, certainly that was a very difficult um, time in my life. I had a 10-year-old daughter at the time, and, um, you know, again, it was like one of those why-me moments, and again, I could not see what was going to happen in the future, but it was very difficult. There was no, uh, she had a rare liver disease there was no liver transplants. There was no hospice care at the time. And uh, it, it was kind of on my own, you know, getting through this. And I did, and I kept recalling um, Ellen's great sense of humor. You know, there was a lot of difficulty, a lot of tears, but she also had a great sense of humor. And it was the time in Norman Cousins when he was talking about healing himself with humor. So I remember, like, one instance, Jonathan, she had a copy of Playgirl magazine with the male nude centerfold, and she said, Alan, hey, I really like this nude man this month. Can you put on the wall by the bed over there? And I said, Alan, this is a hospital. Little whiskey for that. So, well, maybe you're right. She said, why don't you get a leaf from the plant and cover up, you know, that part? And, Jonathan, I did that, and things were fine for the first day, fine for the second day. But by the third day, the leaves start shriveling up and showing us, you know, what we were trying to reveal, uh, conceal. Yeah. And so after she died, we and, and we would start laughing, and uh, we'd go home and look at a leaf or a plant, and, and we would chuckle. And I realized, looking back, it wasn't a lot of laughter. Yes. But it helped us rise above the situation. It gave us a little reprieve, gave us a perspective that I realized later that humor always gives someone. So after she died, I gave up a business I had in San Francisco, went back to school to learn about death and dying, became the director of that death and dying program after a couple of years, became a home health care aide, got my license in that, and also a hospice uh, volunteer. And I would notice how people often use humor, and sometimes it was sarcastic, cynical humor, but how they use it to help them cope with uh, major life challenges. Yes. How old is your daughter today? What's her Today age? she's 45. Not and, today. Uh, I mean, this, this year. <laughs> I see. So she w- was basically seeing your... Um, transformation into being someone who was going to be a jollytologist. Oh, right, yeah. And the fact is, we we would laugh a lot together, and we'd cry Good. together over, you know, mommy's um, of demise. Although, she, you know, as a ten-year-old, it was a little hard for it, I think, comprehend uh, what oh, of was course. going on. But yeah, yes. So, but so we have that's... a great relationship, and we laugh a lot together. Good. So uh, I'm imagining. Or guessing that uh, when your wife died and you had this daughter who was ten and she was having difficulty not having mom around, that um, that was part of your 
your movement towards being this jolly tologist. Right. Well, I I realized great Ellen's great sense of humor and how it helped uh, me at times get through what yes. she was going through, what we were going through. Um, it helped people around her, and um, so I went back to school to learn about um, therapeutic humor. Got a master's degree in human H U M A N development. And the way I became a professional speaker, and that was my subject, was because um, I had to do, for my master's, I had to do a colloquium, uh-huh. several hours, talk about the subject I was studying. And um, I decided that if I was going to do that, I might as well put together a three-hour class and write to some of the, or a six-hour class, actually, it was an all-day one, write to some of the local community colleges and see if I can actually get paid for that. Uh And I did, and several of them hired me, and then in one of the classes, may have even been the first one, a woman said, I'm a nurse, we're having a meeting, we'd like you to come in, you know, we'll give you free lunch. Would you talk to us about therapeutic humor? And so that's how it started me becoming a professional speaker and traveled all over the state at the various uh, state universities doing continuing education courses and then start speaking um, all around the country at various conferences about the therapeutic value of humor. Yes. So you're the only jolly tologist in the world, is that correct? True, and the funny thing is, um, I came out with that oh mid to late eighties, and I'm a member of the National Speakers Association. And since that time, there's now a joyologist, a happyologist, an enthusiologist, a foodologist. A, you know, it goes on and on and on and on. Um, I get but, so what? So what's the difference between a, a jolly? Tologist and uh, let's say a jollyologist. What is the T? Well, that difference I don't. I, well, the difference is that it's a T in one and not a D in the other. Um, I probably, if I look back, I probably should have done jollyologist. Yeah. But I don't know. I I I was thinking of some of those like proctologists that exactly. have a T in it, and so I just did it, and now it's kind of too late to change. But actually, it worked out pretty well, because as you point out, with the T there, it doesn't sound so medical. Yeah, it could be. Maybe maybe unconsciously I did. I don't, I don't know. I've, yeah. But I don't, you can call me a jollyologist or jollytologist. I don't care. I'll answer, I'll answer. So long as you don't call me a, um, well, never mind. Okay. Never mind. <laughs> All right. So uh, before I continue, let me tell uh, the listeners the uh, the name of one of your books that's in my hands right now is called The Healing Power of Humor. And then there's a subtitle, Techniques for Getting Through Loss, Setbacks, Upsets, Disappointments, Difficulties, Trials, Tribulations, and All That Not-So-Funny Stuff. That's a great title. <laughs> And Thank you. There was a big argument in my publisher about keeping that long subtitle, but um, oh, Jeremy Tarcher, who owns the company, really liked it, and so they kept it. And I, I kind of really tells you what the book's about, so I like it too. Yeah, well, what I like about your subtitle is that uh, it's more than just 
sadness and loss because a setback isn't necessarily sadness. Right. And upset isn't necessarily sadness. Right. Yeah, so, I mean, it's, uh, I think it's good. And then, good. then you have another book that's now in my hands. I have these two books. The other one I have that you've done is The Art of Living Joyfully, How to Be Happier Every Day of the Year. And the great part about this book that I like is there's all these quick little quotes from different people, many of them uh, either historical figures or pop culture figures. And that's a, really a wonderful book for people to have. So we can go back and forth regarding these two books. So I want to mention one thing to you that's caught my eye. Um, I think it's page 125 or so. Oh, yeah. So I, I'm very um, sensitive to uh, people being uh, hyperbolic, you know, speaking about something in, in a grandiose way. So there's a wonderful quote from Oprah Win- Winfrey. She says, when I look at the future, it's so bright, it burns my eyes. Mm. But that's just over, she's uh, making too big a deal about it, when, when uh-huh. it burns her eyes, because burning her eyes would be uncomfortable. Right. That's all I'm saying is, but uh, everybody has these quotes, and they're all interesting on one level or another. Right. Well, the interesting thing about, um, you know, you point out a quote that maybe you um, have a little, what should I say, not argument with, but uh, makes you a little uncomfortable because you think yeah. it's like too exaggerated, perhaps. Yeah, exactly. Which, which I think you're right now that I look at it closer. Yeah. Um, but the wonderful thing, since it has 500 or more quotes in it, the wonderful thing is that they call out to you in different ways, or different quotes call out to you, and you could identify with some and maybe not with others. Oh, yes. So another one, I just happened to, to, to turn to page 109. Um, here's one that's really good. Look deep, deep into nature, and then you will understand everything better. And that was by Albert Einstein. Mm, mm. So there's yeah, wonderful quotations here. See, and so. that, the, what, what you just did and what you just said, like just opening to a page, uh, yes. finding a quote that uh, really you identified with, it's a wonderful way to use the book. It, it's not the kind of book most people would just sit down and read every quote. That doesn't make sense. But yeah, you just can't read one after the other. Yeah, although they are related to each other, and there's like this one you just read is in the nature section, so there's all quotes about nature and yeah. how that can bring more joy in our life. But um, just just finding a quote, you can do that on a daily basis, and that yes. could be yeah. like your kind of mantra for the day. Yeah, they're great. That could be your day, you know how you live the day. Um, yes. So another one from the nature section, from Bernie Siegel, he writes, If you watch how nature deals with adversity, continually renewing itself, you can't help but learn. So they're all great. Yeah. It's a wonderful book. So um, I, I I talk about uh, before we leave that quote. Yeah. I talk about you know we as a society as a culture um, we don't like the fact that there's uh, death and it's part of life. <laughs> as as Woody Allen said, you'll never get out of it alive. <laughs> exactly. Yes. Yes. Um, 
But uh, for me, death is like nature's way of like cleaning up the world. Imagine, Jonathan, if we live forever. I know we'd be uh, we'd be uh, next to each other without if, if, being able to move our elbows. Right. There probably wouldn't be enough food or housing or jobs. Yes. Um, you know, would yes. you ever get anything done? Because if you live forever, you'd put it off till tomorrow. I yeah. mean, it, it kind of, if you, if you look at life that way, you realize how important death is in some ways. Yes. Um, yes. And so yet I, it's, yes, it is sad yeah. we lose people we love, but it's, yes. it's nature's kind of keeping house, I think. Yeah. So uh, Woody Allen has a good quote here. How to, he says, how to make God laugh. Tell him your future plans. <laughs> so I, you know, as you heard my plans, you know, I certainly identify with that. Um, yes. Because life has its twists and turns. And I think, you know, the book, The Art of Living Joyfully, which was one of my latest ones that you're reading the quotes from, yes. it kind of, a, you know, people um, plan all that and then life changes and then they get very upset. Exactly. And um, the way to not get upset and to be more joyfully, to live more joyfully, is very much like what they teach in the Zen tradition. And that um, what brings us unhappiness and pain is being attached to something. Yes. So the more we can let go and the more we can flow with those changes, yes. uh, the happier and more joyful we will be. Okay, we're gonna we're gonna stop for a moment and take another break. We'll we'll come back in a minute or so, and we'll continue with what we're doing. Your favorite Voice America Talk Radio Network shows and hosts are in your car, outdoors, and wherever you need them to be. Listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. SportsPsychologySociology.com can help you improve your ability to excel and enjoy your athletic endeavors. Call Dr. Jonathan Brower at 818-707-4557. Legal Shield. Total access. Everyone deserves legal protection. With Legal Shield, everyone can access it, no matter how traumatic or trivial. Check out players.buildinglastingsuccess.com and jjbrower.com. Call Jonathan at 805-535-5111. Interested in investing in real estate, leveraging other people's money? Call Jonathan Brower and he can give you some more information. 805-535-5111. That's 805-535-5111. DefeatAnxietyNow.com is geared to help people suffering with anxiety and depression. Intensive, short-term, dynamic psychotherapy helps many people get to the absolute core of their problems and resolve them. Call Dr. Jonathan Brower at 818-707-4557. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Listening to Human Behavior, What a Trip with Dr. Jonathan Brower. If you have a question or comment for the show this week, please call in to 1 866 472 5792. That's toll free 1 866 472 5792. 
You may also send an email to jbrowerphd at yahoo.com. Now, back to Human Behavior, What a Trip. Hi, everybody. This is Jonathan Brower with Human Behavior, and I'm with my guest, Alan Klein. And, Alan, before we go on um, with what we're talking about, if people want to contact you, um, how would they do that? What is your email and what is your... Sure. Um, your other thing. I can't think of it. Sure. My um, URL, my website. Yeah, your website. I can yeah. give that. They What's just your, have to remember what? to spell my both names correctly because they're common names that are spelled many ways. So my email is just Alan, A-L-L-E-N, uh-huh. at... Alan at com. So it's Alan, A-L-L-E-N, at A-L-L-E-N-K-L-E-I-N.com. So it's and then Alan, my website... Wait, 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 let me be sure. So it's Alan at AlanKlein.com. Alan at AlanKlein.com, right. Okay. And then my website is just triple W www.alanklein.com alanklein.com okay great yeah again just spelling a l l e n k l e i n .com yeah okay good excellent okay so um, one other thing they can go to amazon put in my name and they'll see all my books oh good so they can go to amazon great dot .com and see your books okay great. so Pretty um, simple okay so um after the Woody Allen um, thing, how to make God laugh, tell him your future plans, right above that is um, a quote by Karl Barth. His quote is, laughter is the closest, let me say it again, laughter is the closest thing to the grace of God. Mm. So that's kind of cute. Uh-huh, yeah. And nice, yeah. So uh, one of the things that I'm wondering about is you definitely – are uh, pro-humor, which is fine, but I assume, even though you're into humor and want to help people with humor, there's a part of you that also wants to honor their sadness and their losses. Right. Well, I think uh, Gabran once said, the poet, the tears and laughter come from the same well. Uh-huh. You know, they're really close, and um, I think yes. that they're both beneficial, and I think what happens when we experience a loss is we forget how beneficial that laughter can be. Uh-huh. And yet they both help us cope, laughter and tears. Yes. Um, and, and I personally believe that some higher power has given us the ability to see things funny and laugh um, to help us cope, to help us get through those, um, those tough times in life. And no other creature has that ability but human beings. So it's a very special gift, and I think it's underused. We go back two sentences. So uh, other other animals, non-human animals, what can't they do that we can do? Well, like, uh, give you an example, chimpanzees, gorillas, supposedly they laugh. Well, they don't, you know, like you tickle them and they laugh, but uh-huh. they don't They don't have the ability 
like human beings do, to look at something, see that it's humorous, see that there's some funny stuff there to laugh about. Laugh is kind of the, the I physical. Get you. Okay, so you, you've you've made it clear for me. So there's there's a differentiation between humor and pleasure. They can overlap. So, for example, um, all kinds of mammals can be very playful, especially the uh, young offspring. Oh yeah, my dog is very playful, but yes, so are mine. Yes, yeah, so, so we get pleasure. Funny so that, and laugh that, that, at it. Pardon me. My dog doesn't see something as funny and laugh at it the, the way we do. Exactly. They can't do. That. Although my well, one of my two dogs, I have two golden doodles. One of them actually <laughs> smiles, but yeah. I don't think he's smiling because of um, of humor. He's just smiling because of pleasure. Right. Yeah, exactly. So if I, I'm just trying to think this out loud with you. So I, the way I see it, um, pleasure would be a subset of humor. Or, or humor, uh, yeah. Could the other be. way around, I mean. So pl- humor would be a subset of pleasure. A pleasure. Could be. Yeah. I don't... Um, it's funny. There's a... called the International Society of Humor Studies which I am a member of, and it's I would say it's 99% uh, academia folk or scientists. And they, they constantly go into the deeper levels that you're talking about, you know, yes. um, that I'm grateful that they're there, but what I want to do in my books and in my uh, keynotes and workshops is teach people practical uh, application of of what they're proving, of what they're saying. So, like my uh, Healing Power of Humor book has 14 techniques of how people can increase their sense of humor. The quotation books have those inspirational, motivational quotes that can help people uh, lift their spirits every day. So that's that's my focus. Even though I'm really grateful that those other scientists and academia folks are there to um, go deeper than maybe I do or on a different level than I do. Yes, yours is more for the public, the public people who can use your help. Yeah. So um, humor is an interesting thing. So uh, you, I think he's still alive. Don Rickles, the comedian. I think he is. Yes. Yeah. He's still alive. He's alive. So, um, um, when he would be doing his shtick on the Johnny Carson show, and I guess on Vegas, I never saw him in Vegas, but anyway, um, he would be, he would come across as this, um, kind of mean, crabby guy, but he really was a very nice man. And even though he was being, uh, what's the word, some, somewhat obnoxious, uh, people didn't take it as a, a bad thing. They seemed to have fun with it. Right. Yeah. But then there well, are other comedians. They knew that's, that's him. You know, it's an act. Yes. Uh, it's just like Phil Stiller, you know, with the wild hair and, you know, and making fun of her husband, Fang, or, you yes. know. It's an act. It's an act, of course. Yes. But then there are some uh, comedians who don't seem very comedic. They just seem angry. Uh-huh, yeah. I think Lenny yeah. Bruce would be one of those. Right, right. Yeah. But, you know, in the, 
You know what? A lot of what comedians do, and particularly some of the great ones, is in all that anger. Yes. They show us maybe what's not so great about the world, or what needs fixing in the world, or help, and they um, do it in a comedic way so that we listen to it rather than ranting and raving and screaming about it. Yes. Right, and then another part of all this is um, I don't know. I don't know if this is a stereotype or if it's an actual thing, but um, it seems to be that a lot of comedians had a hard life as a kid and have quite a bit of anger. I don't know if that's true. No, you're correct. In fact, I don't know the name of it, but there's a book about all the comedians that had a very difficult childhood. Uh, Carol Burnett, I think, was, uh, yeah, raised by, was it her grandma? And she always pulls her ear or her aunt. I think her aunt, maybe. Well, her, her, uh, Carol Burnett's, um, in the book that I have near, near me, Healing Power of Humor, right. uh, mentions that Carol Burnett's, her mother and father were hardcore alcoholics. Right. Yeah. Same with Charlie Chaplin. I think her is, um, his uh, mother went kind of crazy and his father became an alcoholic. Um, Alan King was raised by yes. not his parents. Um, and there's a whole long list of those uh, comedians that had a difficult life yes. as a child. And I think what they did, they used humor to cope. Yes. And uh, later on, I guess they perfected it over the years and and did it as their profession. And I had a friend uh passed away last year, but... He had a very difficult family. I mean, his he had four, three other brothers, four brothers, uh, four males in the family. Uh-huh. One of them, two of them were killed accidentally. Oh, yeah. uh, one of them was a gangster. <laughs> um, and he, my friend, would always use very, like Don Rickles, very yes. caustic kind of humor. And he was a sweetheart, if you got to know him. But yes, other exactly, people yes. that just encountered him would become very offended. Yes. But uh, when I stood back and looked at it, it was his way of coping with such tragedy in his life. Yes. So, so as we're talking, I'm wondering if there are any comedians who um, had a pretty good life and were basically happy most, much of the time. Um, I don't there know. Must, there must be a few of them around. <laughs> because, you know, people don't write about happy people. So, <laughs> yes. I do know why. I don't know her background or life, but I do know her humor is so. Um, I mean, she never used. I saw her last year live for the second time. She never uses any foul language. Uh, is who also is, who, pretty who is this you're talking all the time. That's Rita Rudner. Oh, yeah. Um, very yes. kind of pleasant humor, and still very extremely funny. Yes, I agree. So, uh, one of the things it shows me is you don't have to use foul language or put down humor, and you could still be very funny. Yes, I agree. So, um, right now I'm looking at the contents of your book, The Healing Power of Humor, and in part one... Uh, it's learning to laugh. Now, you'd, you'd think that uh, 
people would be able to laugh without having to learn it, but apparently we do have to learn to laugh at times. Well, I I think so. I mean, uh, look at when some people were growing up. They were told, you know, they were playful, they were laughing uh, as a child. And what were they told by teachers or parents? Settle down. Get serious. Yes. yes. Jonathan, when are you going to grow up? <laughs> You know, and then you get to work, you're in a work situation, everything is so serious, and the boss is so serious, and you have deadlines and quotas to meet, and, uh, you know, then you come home and you listen to the news, and you hear how serious the world is. Um, It's like totally all around us. And I just read a study where we are actually prone to look more at negative things than positive things. Yes, I, I, I agree. On that note, we're going to take our final commercial break, and we'll come back in about a minute. DefeatAnxietyNow.com is geared to help people suffering with anxiety and depression. Intensive, short-term, dynamic psychotherapy helps many people get to the absolute core of their problems and resolve them. Call Dr. Jonathan Brower at 818-707-4557. Interested in investing in real estate, leveraging other people's money? Call Jonathan Brower and he can give you some more information. 805-535-5111. That's 805-535-5111. Legal Shield. Total access. Everyone deserves legal protection. With Legal Shield, everyone can access it, no matter how traumatic or trivial. Check out players.buildinglastingsuccess.com and jjbrower.com. Call Jonathan at 805-535-5111. SportsPsychologySociology.com can help you improve your ability to excel and enjoy your athletic endeavors. Call Dr. Jonathan Brower at 818-707-4557. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. You're listening to Human Behavior What a Trip with Dr. Jonathan Brower. If you have a question or comment for the show this week, please call in to 1-866-472-5792. That's toll-free, 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to jbrowerphd at yahoo.com. Now, back to Human Behavior, What a Trip. This is Jonathan Brower with Human Behavior, What a Trip, and we're having a wonderful trip today with Alan Klein. He's a jollytologist. So, uh, Alan, we're back for our final segment. And, well, that's uh, great, although it's, um, unfortunately, it's the final segment. Um, I, I feel we're just fast. getting started. I know. I need to, maybe I'll have to do a sequel. <laughs> so, um, in Chapter 2 of your book, you have uh, one of the subsets of it is how to minimize your humor risks. Tell me what a humor risk would buy would be, and why would it be risky to be humorous? Well, because and I and I give you one example. I I like giving examples as as Good. you see in the book, and maybe um, my editor of that first book kept telling me more. You know. I, Talk about some subject like we are now. I mean, more more illustrations, more stories, more stories, more stories. Yes. So I, I think stories are powerful because they illustrate what we're talking about. 
So I had a friend that had a uh, long-term relationship that was breaking up. And I tried to lighten that up with some, you know, just kind of lighthearted banter. And he got very upset. He said, you know, I'm in pain. I'm going through this breakup. And you're trying to lighten it up. So, I mean, one of the risks is that how other people will take your attempts at humor. Yes. So I think to, I mean, what I should have done in retrospect is listen to him, um, let him know I'm listening to him, that I'm concerned, um, and then maybe when he showed some signs of being open to something lighthearted, then I might have joined in, but I probably jumped in too soon. So there's always a risk that we're going to offend people. Yes. uh, That we're going to hurt them. Um, that it's inappropriate. Yes. Because, uh, you know, so, so there's all of those, all of those different risks that uh, you always have to assess. Is this appropriate or not? Is this the, you know, yeah. how, how are people going to react to what I'm doing or saying? Right. And especially with a, a good friend, <clears throat> if in fact they don't like you helping them that way, you can, the two of you can talk about it. Yeah, yeah, right, right. And, and Which we yeah. did, you know, and then I re- and it was a great lesson for me of how anytime I'm going to try to instill some humor with someone else, I need to know them. I need yes. to listen to them. I yes. need to assess uh, what they're going through. Yes. So moving right along, in part two of your book, you have different uh, subtitles here, and. Uh, we have 14. Now, you mentioned the 14 things before earlier in our conversation. Right, 14 techniques of how people can get more humor in their life. Yeah, so number three is exaggerate, and then you have two exclamation marks after it. So basically, if we exaggerate enough, we can enjoy the exaggeration and uh, be more fun and happy than we can if we're... Well, the, the, but the bottom line I'm telling people that is because if, if you're um, in a very difficult situation or any situation that uh, yeah. upset, you know, disturbing, whatever it is, if you can exaggerate it, you'll probably find some humor and that will help you to get a different perspective on the situation, which is what humor does. Yes. And you get to see the situation differently, so you're not so stressed out, and it's easier to cope with that. Yes. And then in number four, I'm just skipping over some of these, uh, you have a <clears throat> thing here, laugh while the irony is hot. <laughs> and, and that's really good, because a lot of people can be very sad. I mean, I've seen it at funerals where someone's very sad, they've lost someone they loved, but they can have a moment of laughter about how much fun that person was when they were alive. Right. And one and one of the things I think, I was trying to think, why is there often so much, uh, yeah, there are tears, but why so much uh, laughter at funerals? You know, they'll look in the coffin and someone will say, oh, um, that person never looked so good lying in the coffin, <laughs> yeah. you know, which is kind of weird. But it's because of the absurdity and the irony and the uh, bizarre things that people say at funerals. And if you think of how do comedians or cartoonists get get us to laugh? Well, often it's the ludicrousness of the situation that they yeah, point exactly. out. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, ludicrous is a wonderful adjective, yeah. 
and and at funerals because it's so sad, you know, ludicrous things happen, and then we go, well, that's that's ludicrous. You know, we don't yes. actually say that, but we yeah. that's what's going on, and we start to laugh at it. And sometimes the more we laugh, you know, we're trying not to laugh, and that creates even more laughter. Yes. I, I have it in my book, and I don't remember exactly. I think it was Ann Landers talking about when her mother died, and her mother was like a really strong person, and... and um, Somehow the rabbi got up and talked and mentioned that she was like a battleship. Yes. <laughs> and they all got so hysterical with laughter. Yes. Um, in my own father's, you know, my own father's were at the gravesite, and the rabbi is saying the prayers, and apparently um, in his prayers, you know, they put in the deceased person's name. Well... I think he forgot to erase the previous person's name and said, instead of saying Daniel Klein, yes, who's lying here, he said Daniel Levine. Aha! Uh-huh. <laughs> and we all like looked at each other, and I just saw us all trying to squelch down. Yes, <laughs> the laughter—it's like you know, because it was so absurd, it was so ludicrous that you start to laugh. Yes. Well, when you have when you have your fourteen. Uh... Uh, criteria number the number fourteen is the world as your laugh lab. Mm, mm. So talk talk about that briefly. Well, there there is humor all around us, and of course, when exactly. we stress out, we don't see it. Give you one example, or a couple yeah. of examples, if you want. Um, yes. A couple of months ago, I was in a laundromat, and I looked on the sign on the wall, and it said, "When the machine stops, remove all your clothing." Oh yes, great. Yeah, that's wonderful. <laughs> so you know, there's just there's just the humor um, all around. One of the things I I talk about in my workshop is you know in California, if you and in some other states, if you're speeding on the highway, the police take a photo of your license plate, send you the photo with a speeding ticket. So this man got a photo from the police with the speeding ticket for a hundred dollars and the photo of his license plate. He sent back to police a photo of two fifties. Yes. A week so he, um, a week later, he gets another envelope from the police with a photo. He opens the envelope up. It was a photo of handcuffs. Yeah. <laughs> How about that? Well, I believe our time is just coming to an end. It's been way too fast, and uh, maybe we'll have a another time to uh, do part two of this work here. That would be great. Yeah, I want to thank you so much for being my guest, and uh, I hope everyone who hears the show gets a lot of more uh, humor in their life. So thank you very much. Thank you. Enjoy okay. it. Thank you again for listening today. Tune in every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Pacific Time for Human Behavior, What a Trip! with Dr. Jonathan Brower on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Have fun experiencing your human behavior. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. 
The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. 